You're listening to The Other Side of Texas. I'm Daniel, the Digital Millennial Guru. Stay tuned for a couple spots from our sponsors. They keep the show going. Thank you. Small business is big in West Texas, fueled by a special breed of entrepreneurs. They sow seeds of hard work and rely on each other to grow. They're all connected by a common thread that creates the character of our community, and they keep us moving forward. And no one brings small business together like First Bank and Trust. At First Bank and Trust, you get more than a bank. You get a network across this entire community. Take a step with the bank that knows how to make small business a bigger deal. On the other side of Texas, history has its place. On the other side of Texas, justice rules the case. They don't like it, they don't love it. They say we're all wrong, but on the other side of Texas halls, we roll on. And that's what we do. Roll along here with you. Howdy, Jay West, Texas Leeson. Thanks for tuning in and telling a friend that you hang out on the other side of Texas as we get going here, approaching midweek. From the studios where Waylon Jennings uh, smoked all sorts of things and where Buddy Holly became famous. Get to Buddy Holly here in just a moment. Coming up. In a few minutes, we've got Gene Hall from Texas Farm Bureau going to talk about eminent domain and issues pertaining to eminent domain in this Texas legislative session that is ongoing. And then, coming up, about uh, 5.30, our friend Wes Rappaport, uh, Rappaport Reports. Everything going on in Austin that you need to know about, you want to be a part of the program, you can text in our text line, 806-745-5800. Ask questions as we do roll along here. Buddy Holly, uh, speaking of, Roy Orbison and Buddy Holly, hologram tour announced. Already have Daniel, the digital millennial guru, looking into tickets for this. Catch the Rock and Roll Dream Tour in North America and Europe this year. Again, from Pitchfork.com, Roy Orbison and Buddy Holly will tour together as holograms this year. As Billboard reports, the performances will see the reincarnated singer-songwriters backed by a full live band and live backing vocalist, the Rock and Roll dream tour will mark the first time production company base b-a-s-e all in caps base hologram will run concurrent dates for the same hologram meaning that fans in north america and europe will theoretically be able to catch the orbison and holly holograms on the same night living uh, with different living musicians accompanying them find the european dates below pitchfork is um, apparently a european we couldn't get anything better than that in um, show prep to figure out where they would be would you rather go to a buddy holly hologram concert or to watch texas tech in the sweet 16 that's uh pretty significant question i, I 
think I would, uh, given the history that's at place, Texas Tech in Anaheim or to a Buddy Holly hologram. Now, I don't know where the, we've pulled up the billboard link. I don't know where Buddy Holly would play in North America, but I see a Belfast in the United Kingdom, Liverpool, lots of United Kingdom stops. In fact, everything I see there are uh, United Kingdom stops, Dublin, Ireland, as well hmm you know which gets me to thinking my my great my grandfather did all this work on ancestry.com and then uh died and didn't have his password we don't know what he spent all that time doing towards the end of his life finding all his generational leads <clears throat> I love my grandfather, John Thomas Leeson III, but um, that's a pretty significant mistake to uh, do all that work and then nobody has the password. I just got to thinking about that with Ireland. My father is doing all the work on Ancestry.com and uh, has promised me that he will leave his password behind so that we can trace that uh, lease and genealogy but anyway back to the matter at hand I think I would take knowing that uh, the same buddy hologram could be played over and over again this is final decision buddy same buddy holly uh, hologram could be played over and over again I'll take Texas Tech and Anaheim that's what I'd rather go watch Uh, Texas Tech in the final four than uh, the Buddy Holly tour for now. Plus, you know it'll be everywhere on the internet. Uh, final decision, bleeding red and black, not Buddy Holly. I hope you'll forgive me. Hope you come to the same conclusion. Going to get out, get Gene Hall on the line, talk about the eminent domain in Texas as we kick off this edition of the program. Stay right where you are. He is Gene Hall, the PR guy, with uh, <laughs> with Texas Farm Bureau. That Twitter hashtag is TXPR guy, right? I'm not overplaying yeah, te- this, Gene. Texas Ag PR guy was the idea, and the the idea being when I first got on Twitter some years ago that that I would be an advocate for agriculture and speak for Texas agriculture and. Jay, that's something I've certainly tried to do. Maybe I ought to take another look at the hand at the handle there. Maybe a bit presumptuous. It's it's T X A G. So yes, yeah. So uh, yeah. let's talk for a minute about eminent domain. This is all the talk right now. What are we going to do? You know, in this policy, this federal policy, the state policy. Uh, we've covered plenty about. Um, the speed train running from Dallas to down to Houston. Uh, your stance, Gene Hall, the Farm Bureau stance on eminent domain. 
We believe, and I'm glad everyone's talking about it because it's high time we talked about it. Uh, Texas loves to to talk the talk about being a property rights state, but we have failed to walk the walk. We have some some really serious issues here in terms of fairness. We uh, have private companies, largely, that's what these bills in the legislature are about, that are not being fair with landowners that uh, that come out with a certain sense of intimidation. And landowners are being taken advantage of, and we're doing our, our best to try to inject some fairness into the process. Yeah, so landowners, whether they're members of Farm Bureau or not? Yes, uh, we... We like to think that we're advocating for all property owners in Texas, and and one of the things we'd like for your listeners to know is that just because you live in an urban area doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to be affected by eminent domain. Uh, I have heard people read back to me that this is just a normal business transaction. Well, it's not. If one party can't walk away from the table, then it's not a normal business transaction. Uh, We would like to see some things in a law that have to deal with lowball offers, and, and we know what the other side says, but we believe there are a lot of them, and they're consistent. Nobody's keeping a, a record of such things, but we we do hear of a lot of cases. Uh, we want some transparency in the process. If you're a government entity taking private property, then you have to hold a public hearing. If you're a private company doing that, there's no such thing. Uh, we don't believe the process would be hurt by more transparency. Uh, Gene Hall, have you all been involved in the high-speed rail between Dallas and Houston? Uh, yes, we have been. And our issue with the high-speed rail is is not over eminent domain. And to be fair, I don't think they've used that yet. Uh, one, one court denied them the right to use it, and I'm sure we'll hear more about that. We oppose the existence of the high-speed rail, and it has to do with our farmer and rancher members that are along the route. Uh, We believe it would be highly disruptive. That's what they tell us. There are access issues. It's it's very similar. It reminds me a lot of the Trans-Texas Corridor. I know you remember that. Sure. That uh, there were stories about people not being able to access their property, even though they may physically be only a few yards away but have to travel miles to get to it. We believe that it reflects that, and there's uh, a lot of similar issues with the high-speed rail. So speaking more broadly and generally, in the legislature this time around, in 2019, uh, what are you looking at with eminent domain, and what are you trying to procure for the future and future Texans? Dwayne Burns has introduced a bill in the House. It's still in committee. Uh, a bill did come out of the committee, the one introduced by Senator Lois Colcourst out of Brenham. And uh, that bill we support. It has many of the things that we originally asked for as a way to deal with lowball offers, as a way to have public hearings in a transparent process. Things like uh, damages to the remainder of your property. You know, a, a pipeline running through doesn't just affect that narrow swath of land. It it affects the entire property as to what you can build and the value of it when you might sell it, and so on. And and what we have found is a landowner who might be all alone in this process, if he doesn't ask for simple things like when you fill the thing back in, put the topsoil on top. If he doesn't ask for those kinds of things, chances are he won't get them. Now, there are some good actors out there. I don't mean to paint with that broad a brush, 
but uh, clearly there are enough bad actors uh, that we're getting the complaints and and we're seeing the issues. Yeah. Uh, wow. So tell me this then, Gene. For folks who have never dealt with this, what is a lowball offer? You, you've mentioned that a couple of times. What's a lowball offer look like? You said one party is able to leave the table, one's not. Uh, well, that's eminent domain. Sure. Right. Go ahead. Right. Uh, yeah, that's eminent domain. You don't have any choice uh, once a, a an authority with that taking power wants your land. They will get it. Uh, there's We don't have any any uh, bottom line issues with eminent domain. We may not like it, but it's been part of our legal system for longer than we've been a country. And so there are public goods. And and certainly the oil and gas industry that is opposing us on this, we, that we consider them our friends. Texas needs this infrastructure to move power and energy from one place to the next. We believe they can afford to be fair. We don't believe it's going to cost them in time and treasure to to uh, have to comply with some extra rules when it regards taking property. But what tends to happen is the landman or someone will come out and get out of a truck with uh, the logo of a well-known energy company on the door, and they will present this paper says, we're taking your land. You don't have any choice. We're taking it because we can sign here. And far too many of these things are signed on the hood of the pickup. Hmm. We would advise anyone in this process to obtain legal representation. It's, many people consider that just the first step to figure out where you're going. And, and when these companies are challenged, when the taking entities are challenged, a lot of times our people win in court. Hmm. But uh, they're still out all of the expenses of it. I've had people on the other side tell me, well, that proves the process is working. Yes, if you don't consider the six-figure legal bills. Yeah, no doubt there would be six-figure. Well, so um, to comply with extra rules, you're, it sounds to me, Gene, like what your point of view is, uh, what Farm Bureau's point of view is, is on the eminent domain question, there can be accommodations made that need to be made in order to protect the landowner that are not being made now. Is that what Cold Course Bill does? Yes, it does. And uh, the the lowball offers that we would just like a little bit more structure in the law to, to mandate or require an honest-to-good offer. There, currently, there's no appraisal required initially. One happens later. But a lot of times the documents are already signed before any of that happens, and the offer it is accepted. Uh, and and many times people don't know, and there is a kind of a factor of intimidation going on there. You know you're up against an adversary with really deep pockets that's willing to take you to court to get what they want. But these projects are multi-year planning projects, and I, and I have heard uh, some folks tell me well, this is going to bring the entire pipeline industry or energy industry to a grinding halt. Well, we believe that that's nonsense, that you couldn't work a public hearing into this multi-year process just kind of defies the imagination. I don't know how anyone could be expected to believe that. Yeah, so Gene, a couple of texts already, and I'm going to ask you about this because I think it's pertinent to the conversation. What about the border and the border wall then? Um what, what do you think on some, the eminent domain questions there? 
Well, I need to make clear it is separate from this issue. Okay. And and we're How de- so? we're dealing we're dealing with what's in front of us and we were changing the laws that we can change right now, which is a Texas law. The border wall will bring in federal eminent domain authority and and that is a different thing. The American Farm Bureau, which is a national organization that we are part of, is running point on that. We do have some concerns about the taking of property to build the wall. Uh, we are for border security. Uh, we're a conservative organization. We, Our people down there have had some real problems and issues in terms of border security. So we, we support that, and, and that even includes building a wall where it's practical and necessary. But on these large swaths of private land and in other places where a wall is not practical, we would like to see a lot done in the way of electronic surveillance that may not uh, involve taking large amounts of private land. We wonder what's going to happen to that land on the other side of the wall. It's not possible or feasible to build it right along the river every foot of the way, so what's going to happen to your irrigation pump that's on the other side of the wall? What's going to happen to your pasture? Are they going to take that and pay you for that too? And of course, a fair price would be part of that equation. We have some concerns, but um, it doesn't have anything to do with what we're trying to accomplish in the legislature right now. So to recap, what you're trying to do in the legislature is try to get a fair, uh, an honest to good offer, as you say, and not yes. to try to get bullied by large compounded interests that uh, could bulldoze you in the end. Well, sometimes it rises to the level of bullying. Sometimes it's just not taking enough steps to under, understand the process. I, I think the, some of these companies could use nothing so much as a good course in customer relations. And working with the landowner, we believe this is going to be good for the energy companies. It's going to be good for farmers and ranchers, other landowners, and the state of Texas. At the end of the day, everyone's going to understand the issues and understand one another better. Uh, anything is speaking of understanding each other better. Anything we've not laid out here that you'd like to speak to, Gene Hall? No, this is a basic issue of fairness. If we really want to be a property rights state, looking at eminent domain fairness and eminent domain reform is an idea that's long overdue and an idea whose time has come. Our president, Russell Boehning, likes, likes to describe it as the property rights issue of our time. I think he's right, and I, I think it's time for the legislature to do something about it. Hmm. Uh, Gene Hall, if folks want to get a hold of you or Farm Bureau, how can they do that? Well, I'm on Twitter at TexAgPRGuy. I'm on Facebook, and and I certainly will accept a, an email. Our TexasFarmBureau.org website uh, has all of our staff email addresses on it. Send me an email or pick up the phone and call me. Uh, what about the House side? A couple of messages about that. When do you expect legislation that you guys are backing to come out of the House? Well, I expect that there will be hearings very soon, and then we'll uh, we'll see what comes out of, of the Land Resource Committee. Okay, and that's where people need to watch is Land Resource Committee. Yes, Chairman Tom Craddock. All right. A guy or no, might know a thing or two about how to get his way around down there. Oh, uh, he does. He does, and our our pack has has supported him and and uh, put a bug in his ear next time you see him that we need some eminent domain reform in Texas. There you go. 
Uh, he is Gene Hall. Appreciate you making time, Gene Hall. Thank you for calling. All right. We'll talk to Take you next care. time. Uh, Gene Hall there, Texas Farm Bureau. We are going to queue things up. We've got a couple stories to get into, and then our friend Wes Rappaport reports as we go along here on the program, get into a quickie break, be right back with you here on the other side of Texas. On the other side of Texas, history has its place. On the other side of Texas, justice rules the case. They don't like it, they don't love it. They say we're all wrong, but on the other side of Texas halls, we roll along. And that's what we do. Roll along here with you. Howdy, Jay West, Texas Leeson. Thanks for tuning in and telling a friend that you hang out on the other side of Texas as we get going here, approaching midweek. From the studios where Waylon Jennings uh, smoked all sorts of things and where buddy holly became famous get to buddy holly here in just a moment coming up in a few minutes we've got gene hall from texas farm bureau going to talk about eminent domain and issues pertaining to eminent domain in this texas legislature legislative session that is ongoing and then coming up about uh, 5 30 our friend wes rapaport uh, rapaport reports Everything going on in Austin that you need to know about, you want to be a part of the program, you can text in our text line, 806-745-5800. Ask questions as we do roll along here. Buddy Holly, uh, speaking of, Roy Orbison and Buddy Holly, hologram tour announced. Already have Daniel, the digital millennial guru, looking into tickets for this. Catch the Rock and Roll Dream Tour in North America and Europe this year. Again, from Pitchfork.com, Roy Orbison and Buddy Holly will tour together as holograms this year. As Billboard reports, the performances will see the reincarnated singer-songwriters backed by a full live band and live backing vocalist, the Rock and Roll dream tour will mark the first time production company base b-a-s-e all in caps base hologram will run concurrent dates for the same hologram meaning that fans in north america and europe will theoretically be able to catch the orbison and holly holograms on the same night living uh with different living musicians accompanying them Find the European dates below. Pitchfork is um, apparently a European. We couldn't get anything better than that in um, show prep to figure out where they would be. Would you rather go to a Buddy Holly hologram 
concert <clears throat> or to watch Texas Tech in the Sweet 16? That's a pretty significant question. I, I, I think I would, uh, given the history that's at place, Texas Tech in Anaheim or to a Buddy Holly hologram. Now, I don't know where the, we pulled up the billboard link. I don't know where Buddy Holly would play in North America, but I see a Belfast in the United Kingdom, Liverpool, lots of United Kingdom stops. In fact, everything I see there are uh, United Kingdom stops, Dublin, Ireland, as well hmm you know which gets me to thinking my my great my grandfather did all this work on ancestry.com and then uh died and didn't have his password we don't know what he spent all that time doing towards the end of his life finding all his generational leads <clears throat> I love my grandfather, John Thomas Leeson III, but um, that's a pretty significant mistake to uh, do all that work and then nobody has the password. I just got to thinking about that with Ireland. My father is doing all the work on Ancestry.com and uh, has promised me that he will leave his password behind so that we can trace that uh, Leeson genealogy but anyway back to the matter at hand I think I would take knowing that uh, the same buddy hologram could be played over and over again this is final decision buddy same buddy uh, hologram could be played over and over again I'll take Texas Tech and Anaheim that's what I'd rather go watch Uh, Texas Tech in a final four than uh the buddy holly tour for now plus you know it'll be everywhere on the internet uh final decision bleeding red and black not buddy holly i hope you'll forgive me hope you come to the same conclusion gonna get out get gene hall on the line talk about eminent domain in texas as we kick off this edition of the program stay right where you are Emily Jones for ABC Bank. A winning team means having the right players. Whether I'm at work or at home, I bank on a team effort. That's why ABC is my bank. Online or in person, ABC Bank is there when I need them. Putting my needs first, they've actually found a way to put the I in team. Bank on better with ABC Bank. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. At Smith South Plains Ford, we're all about a better car buying experience. We understand that shopping for a car is a big deal, and that's why we believe in listening to what matters to you. Come see us in Leveland, where we have a wide selection of new Ford cars and trucks and an excellent sales staff. Love your car, love your dealership at Smith South Plains on Highway 114 in Leveland, Texas, or online at smithsouthplains.com. Love your car, love your dealership. 
Smith South Plains. Smile, it's gonna be okay. Jason White Dentistry, the West Texas way. Smile and time is how it's done. We treat you like you're the only one. Your peace of mind is our state of mind. We won't get to know you one smile at a time. Smile, it's gonna be okay. Jason White Dentistry, the West Texas way. His class voted him most likely to run with scissors. Welcome back to the other side with Jay Leeson. Hey, welcome back in. The Other Side of Texas is sponsored by the law firm of Mullen, Horton, Brown, LLP, with offices in Lubbock, Amarillo, and Dallas, employing creative legal solutions to address your business needs in the areas of commercial litigation, banking, financial restructuring, employment law, and estate planning. He is Gene Hall, the PR guy with, uh, with Texas Farm Bureau. That Twitter hashtag is... TXPR guy, right? I'm not overplaying yeah, this, Gene. Texas Ag PR guy was the idea, and the the idea being when I first got on Twitter some years ago that that I would be an advocate for agriculture and speak for Texas agriculture. And Jay, that's something I've certainly tried to do. Maybe I ought to take another look at the hand at the handle there. Maybe a bit presumptuous. It's it's TXAG. So yes, yeah. So uh, yeah. let's talk for a minute about eminent domain. This is all the talk right now. What are we going to do? You know, in this policy, this federal policy, the state policy, uh, we've covered plenty about um, the speed train running from Dallas to down to Houston. Uh, your stance, Gene Hall, the Farm Bureau stance on eminent domain. We believe, and I'm glad everyone's talking about it because it's high time we talked about it. Uh, Texas loves to to talk the talk about being a property rights state, but we have failed to walk the walk. We have some some really serious issues here in terms of fairness. We uh, have private companies, largely, that's what these bills in the legislature are about, that are not being fair with landowners that uh, that come out with a certain sense of intimidation and landowners are being taken advantage of and we're doing our our best to try to inject some fairness into the process yeah so landowners whether they're members of farm bureau or not yes uh we we like to think that we're advocating for all property owners in Texas, and, and one of the things we'd like for your listeners to know is that just because you live in an urban area doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to be affected by eminent domain. Uh, I have heard people read back to me that this is just a normal business transaction. Well, it's not. If one party can't walk away from the table, then it's not a normal business transaction. Uh, we would like to see some things in a law that have to deal with lowball offers, and, and we know what the other side says, but we believe there are a lot of them, and they're consistent. Nobody's keeping a, a record of such things, but we we do hear of a lot of cases. Uh, we want some transparency in the process. If you're a government entity 
taking private property, then you have to hold a public hearing. If you're a private company doing that, there's no such thing. Uh, we don't believe the process would be hurt by more transparency. Uh, Gene Hall, have you all been involved in the high-speed rail between Dallas and Houston? Uh, yes, we have been. And our issue with the high-speed rail is is not over eminent domain. And to be fair, I don't think they've used that yet. Uh, one One court denied them the right to use it, and I'm sure we'll hear more about that. We oppose the existence of the high-speed rail, and it has to do with our farmer and rancher members that are along the route. Uh, We believe it would be highly disruptive. That's what they tell us. There are access issues. It's it's very similar. It reminds me a lot of the Trans-Texas Corridor. I know you remember that. Sure. That uh, there were stories about people not being able to access their property, even though they may physically be only a few yards away but have to travel miles to get to it. We believe that it reflects that, and there's uh, a lot of similar issues with the high-speed rail. So speaking more broadly and generally, in the legislature this time around, in 2019, uh, what are you looking at with eminent domain, and what are you trying to procure for the future and future Texans? Dwayne Burns has introduced a bill in the House. It's still in committee. Uh, a bill did come out of the committee, the one introduced by Senator Lois Colcourst out of Brenham. And uh, that bill we support. It has many of the things that we originally asked for as a way to deal with lowball offers, as a way to have public hearings in a transparent process. Things like uh, damages to the remainder of your property. You know, a, a pipeline running through doesn't just affect that narrow swath of land. It it affects the entire property as to what you can build and the value of it when you might sell it, and so on. And and what we have found is a landowner who might be all alone in this process, if he doesn't ask for simple things like when you fill the thing back in, put the topsoil on top. If he doesn't ask for those kinds of things, chances are he won't get them. Now, there are some good actors out there. I don't mean to paint with that broad a brush, but uh, clearly there are enough bad actors uh, that we're getting the complaints and and we're seeing the issues. Yeah. uh, Wow. So tell me this then, Gene. For folks who have never dealt with this, what is a lowball offer? You, you've mentioned that a couple of times. What's a lowball offer look like? You said one party is able to leave the table, one's not. Uh, well, that's eminent domain. Sure. Right. Go ahead. Right. Uh, yeah, that's eminent domain. You don't have any choice uh, once a, a an authority with that taking power wants your land. They will get it. Uh, there's We don't have any any uh, bottom line issues with eminent domain we may not like it but it's been part of our legal system for longer than we've been a country and so there are public goods and and certainly the oil and gas industry that is opposing us on this we that we consider them our friends texas needs this infrastructure to move power and energy from one place to the next we believe they can afford to be fair we don't believe it's going to cost them in time and treasure to to uh, have to comply with some extra rules when it regards taking property. But what tends to happen is the landman or someone will come out and get out of a truck with uh, the logo of a well-known 
energy company on the door, and they will present this paper says, we're taking your land. You don't have any choice. We're taking it because we can sign here. And far too many of these things are signed on the hood of the pickup. We would advise anyone in this process to obtain legal representation. It's, many people consider that just the first step to figure out where you're going. And, and when these companies are challenged, when the taking entities are challenged, a lot of times our people win in court. Hmm. But uh, they're still out all of the expenses of it. I've had people on the other side tell me, well, that proves the process is working. Yes, if you don't consider the six-figure legal bills. Yeah, no doubt there would be six-figure. Well, so um, to comply with extra rules, you're, it sounds to me, Gene, like what your point of view is, uh, what Farm Bureau's point of view is, is on the eminent domain question, there can be accommodations made that need to be made in order to protect the landowner that are not being made now. Is that what Cold Horse Bill does? Yes, it does. And uh, the the lowball offers that we would just like a little bit more structure in the law to, to mandate or require an honest-to-good offer. There, currently, there's no appraisal required initially. One happens later. But a lot of times the documents are already signed before any of that happens, and the offer it is accepted. Uh, and and many times people don't know, and there is a kind of a factor of intimidation going on there. You know you're up against an adversary with really deep pockets that's willing to take you to court to get what they want. But these projects are multi-year planning projects, and I, and I have heard uh, some folks tell me, well, this is going to bring the entire pipeline industry or energy industry to a grinding halt. Well, we believe that that's nonsense, that you couldn't work a public hearing into this multi-year process just kind of defies the imagination. I don't know how anyone could be expected to believe that. Yeah, so Gene, a couple of texts already, and I'm going to ask you about this because I think it's pertinent to the conversation. What about the border and the border wall then? Um what, what do you think have, on the eminent domain questions there? Well, I need to make clear it is separate from this issue. Okay. And, and we're How de- so? We're dealing, we're dealing with what's in front of us, and we we're changing the laws that we can change right now, which is a Texas law. The border wall will bring in federal eminent domain authority, and, and that is a different thing. The American Farm Bureau, which is a national organization that we are part of, is running point on that. We do have some concerns about the taking of property to build the wall. Uh, we are for border security. Uh, we're a conservative organization. We, Our people down there have had some real problems and issues in terms of border security. So we, we support that, and, and that even includes building a wall where it's practical and necessary. But on these large swaths of private land and in other places where a wall is not practical, we would like to see a lot done in the way of electronic surveillance that may not uh, involve taking large amounts of private land. We wonder what's going to happen to that land on the other side of the wall. It's not possible or feasible to build it right along the river every foot of the way, so what's going to happen to your irrigation pump that's on the other side of the wall? What's going to happen to your pasture? Are they going to take that and pay you for that, too? 
And, of course, a fair price would be part of that equation. We have some concerns, but um, it doesn't have anything to do with what we're trying to accomplish in the legislature right now. So, to recap, what you're trying to do in the legislature is try to get a fair, uh, an honest-to-good offer, as you say, and not yes. to try to get bullied by large compounded interests that uh, could bulldoze you in the end. Well, sometimes it rises to the level of bullying. Sometimes it's just not taking enough steps to under, understand the process. I, I think the, some of these companies could use nothing so much as a good course in customer relations. And working with the landowner, we believe this is going to be good for the energy companies. It's going to be good for farmers and ranchers, other landowners, and the state of Texas. At the end of the day, everyone's going to understand the issues and understand one another better. Uh, anything is speaking of understanding each other better. Anything we've not laid out here that you'd like to speak to, Gene Hall? No, this is a basic issue of fairness. If we really want to be a property rights state, looking at eminent domain fairness and eminent domain reform is an idea that's long overdue and an idea whose time has come. Our president, Russell Boehning, likes, likes to describe it as the property rights issue of our time. I think he's right, and I, I think it's time for the legislature to do something about it. Hmm. Uh, Gene Hall, if folks want to get a hold of you or Farm Bureau, how can they do that? Well, I'm on Twitter at TexAgPRGuy. I'm on Facebook, and and I certainly will accept a, an email. Our TexasFarmBureau.org website uh, has all of our staff email addresses on it. Send me an email or pick up the phone and call me. Uh, what about the House side? A couple of messages about that. When do you expect legislation that you guys are backing to come out of the House? Well, I expect that there will be hearings very soon, and then we'll uh, we'll see what comes out of, of the Land Resource Committee. Okay, and that's where people need to watch is Land Resource Committee. Yes, Chairman Tom Craddock. All right. A guy or no, might know a thing or two about how to get his way around down there. Oh, uh, he does. He does, and our our pack has has supported him and and uh, put a bug in his ear next time you see him that we need some eminent domain reform in Texas. There you go. Uh, he is Gene <laughs> Hall. Appreciate you making time, Gene Hall. Thank you for calling. All right, we'll talk to Take you next care. time, uh, Gene Hall. There, Texas Farm Bureau. We are going to cue things up. We've got a couple of stories to get into, and then our friend Wes Rappaport reports as we go along here on the program. Get into a quickie break. Be right back with you here on the other side of Texas. Shake the dirt off your shoes. Come over, take a seat. Knock that chill off your bones. Got food on the fire. Can I get you something to eat? Make yourself at home. best friends with the founder of the Lubbock County Militia, you get your own radio show. It's the other side of Texas with Jay Leeson. I'm a big, big man. Not just in size or in stature, in terms of space that can't be filled. I'm a bottomless canyon, down a drop spill. Yeah, I'm a bottomless canyon, down a drop spill. Welcome 
in any real estate needs you have. I'm your real estate agent, Jay West Texas Leasing, whether that be commercial, industrial, residential, whatever you got going, you need help with your place and what your place may look like. I'll give you the same um, ethic and resolve that I present you on this program and we'll go after your place and get that done. You can contact me, 806 543 one seven that's eight oh six five four three one three one seven let's go get what works for you and get it done uh for west rapaport joins us here in a couple of minutes uh the lubbock county emergency communication district on tuesday provided a brief explanation of a nine one one system failure in the day the l c e c I don't know. Here I am um, reading from everything Lubbock and um, Lubbock County. Oh, Emergency Communication District. So the LCEC, Lubbock County Emergency Communication, said the 911 outage started at 9.50 a.m. and lasted for about an hour and 15 minutes. The LCEC said the failure was under investigation, but the initial thought is a network component malfunctioned. So that's back online and ready to go. Something that I've not talked about, but I'd like to talk about now. You know, there's all this talk about Beto O'Rourke in placating to Hispanic uh, minorities slash majorities in Texas with the name Beto and we kind of gloss over Ted Cruz, uh, Raphael, Theodore Cruz, uh, but Ted Cruz, and again, this is late, but, uh, was fined $35,000 for not properly disclosing campaign loans from Goldman Sachs Citibank. Uh, let's get into common man issues. When was the last time you got in trouble for, not disclosing campaign loans from Goldman Sachs and Citibank. And how grassroots are you, really, if uh, you aren't properly disclosing $1.1 million in loans from banks? Uh, This is from the uh, Texas Tribune. Uh, Cruz did not properly disclose his loan, his campaign from both Goldman Sachs Group where his wife, Heidi Cruz, was employed at the time, and Citigroup. The information came to light in 2016 during his failed bid for the Republican presidential nomination. Cruz called it an, quote, inadvertent filing error. Can I just, Justin Smollett, all this stuff that's going on right now. Guys, if this happened to you or I, if if you or I did not file this, it would be much more severe than an inadvertent filing error and a lot more severe than $35,000. And this is where I just get off on Democrats are no longer common men. They're, they're into partisan personality politics. And the Republicans pretend to be common men. The president saying today the Republican Party will soon be known as the party of health care 
And I think both of those laughable on both sides. The, the Democrats aren't for the common man. The Republicans certainly are not either. Story goes on in 2017, the Federal Election Commission announced it would audit Cruz after the campaign. Legal Center submitted a complaint with the improper disclosure. Um, we'd be going, we'd be going to the big house or or worse if we were in the same situation. On the phone with us now, take a deep breath. I was about to get worked up there, Wes. Rappaport, I was about to get worked up on uh, what would happen to the common man if uh, we file if we failed to disclose loans from Goldman Sachs, which we all have access to, by the way. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, Goldman Sachs, Citibank, willing to give any of us money. Um, but you've come in just in time. I'm sideswiping you with that story. Uh, how are things going? You got us any story we want here? Hey, Jay. Uh, just uh, another beautiful day in your Texas capital and uh, working on stories on behalf of the people. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Wes Rappaport, you can check him out everywhere now. His cute little mug is everywhere uh, where <laughs> you find Texas politics news. What have you been working on, Wes? What can we, can we, what can we jabber about here? Uh, today, actually, I went to a, uh, a press conference Excuse me. On uh, uh, of, of with police chiefs uh, from across the state and uh, sheriffs from across the state, um, all talking about uh, uh, medical marijuana um, and and uh, medicinal marijuana use. Um, the uh, The idea here is that you know there, there's the expansion of, of medicinal marijuana, the decriminalization of medicinal marijuana, or, or of, of pot in general. Um, and uh, there's legislation that's, that's making its way through the system and, and seems to have, be, have support on both sides of the aisle um, to, to get this done. And, and bottom line is, the law enforcement community says, you know, no way. Uh, and they, they're saying that the public safety threat, they're saying that there are uh, uh, Disadvantages to the taxpayer, and and uh, wait, what disadvantages? So well, they're saying that this, you know, that that the tax incentives seem nice off the top for these cities and counties and these municipalities, um, but then the, the officers then are now dealing with there's there's a lot less clarity uh, for an officer. How do you define? Uh, marijuana intoxication. How do you define these certain levels of cannabis with with somebody? And and they're um, basically saying that it's now going to you know you're using up police resources to to do. It kind of has the opposite effect of what of what the intention is. Mm. Which and I think kind of the overall intention is to to what as you as you take steps to legalize or to decriminalize. Um, it, it kind of opens up the market a little bit, and 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 maybe crime goes down. Maybe the you know the the, the money flow gets smoother, and and is a is a less secretive process. But really, the, the law enforcement thing is going to be the other way around. You're going to see this black market thing. You're going to see and like they were pointing to Colorado and these other states that have tried this, and and so they were really trying to harp on these other examples of these other cities. Um, 
it was it was one of those press conferences that that started out simple and then it was like an hour long press conference of these different um, chiefs and sheriffs and a former DEA agent who all came up and and um, were really harping on it and and this goes just right a day after uh, a bill that would um, lower the, the criminal penalty to a civil penalty for low level possession just is, passed uh, a hurdle in the house so is the um, problem it comes that an interesting time it sounds like their problem is that the state level actors are leaving it to local municipalities and counties to figure out what's intoxication and what's not is that the crux of the issue well some of it is even just at the court system level i mean you know you're one of the arguments here is that from from supporters is that you know you're tying up the courts and the jail system and you know it's it's a criminal justice piece it's a judicial piece it's a medical piece um you know they're saying you're you're tying up the court system with these low-level offenses and it's it's you know just a it's a the possession is it's a small amount and of course everybody's like okay you got to define small versus large and things like that but there is a number that they pegged on it um but you know it, it's uh that kind of the, the i think the overall crux of it is is the the judicial piece the criminal justice piece the medic you know the medical piece but then the law enforcement is saying well wait a minute what about public safety if you've got somebody who's legally allowed to smoke a certain amount you know and and maybe they're intoxicated maybe their um body can handle it's like alcohol you know there's there's a a certain amount that your body can handle before there's an intoxication right and and if if pot's legal you got somebody who smokes pot gets behind the wheel of a car and and you know you can you can imagine what could happen there you know maybe it maybe you're okay one time maybe you're not okay one time and and so it's that's the argument from the, the law enforcement folks is is it, it creates a public safety risk it creates a health risk here um and so they're saying you know we don't want to overturn the the compassionate use law that that um is already in place focusing on medicinal marijuana but they want to um stop the legislation from going further to expand and to decriminalize and take steps to do that and to take steps to legalize and they they say look at colorado it's it's not working yeah. out so we shouldn't do that here and you know every state's different but there that's the argument let me ask a question and then give you some background into why i'm asking this question the question is this was oklahoma brought up today and the context is this as i was driving to watch our red raiders in tulsa all along the broken arrow expressway billboards everywhere go in have a prescription written from a doctor for 75 dollars for medical marijuana and then you've got your pick of what you can what you can partake in or not partake in uh on the cannabis level was oklahoma ever brought up today because that seems like they're flying by the sea their pants up there no mention of Oklahoma. Um, they mentioned uh, Colorado, of course. They mentioned California as an example of a, of a state that's exploring certain options. They mentioned Oregon as another state that has talked about this at the legislative level, um, but no mention of Oklahoma that I recall. Mm, okay. 
That's just my own query. Uh, Wes Rappaport with us at Wes Rapp, R-A-P, on Twitter. What else you been covering? What else can we get into here, Wes? Uh, well, this is a story that uh, that um, will air in our in Tyler. Uh, of course, as you know, I report for for twelve stations in Texas, including uh, KMAC and KOBK in the Lubbock area. Um, but uh, there's a there was a it's sort of an ongoing piece ongoing coverage of uh, this uh, these Boy Scouts who. Uh, died in, uh, in a, an accident involving a power line. They were uh, the power line was down, and anyway, they're, they're, the um, the three boys lost their lives, and their parents have worked with lawmakers to um, uh, create legislation that would create essentially more oversight uh, for power lines. Um, Who oversees power and, lines right now, Wes? You know, I don't know the answer to that, um, and that's a good question. Um, I, I would imagine that there is, you know, every, there's always somebody that oversees something, but I don't know who oversees the power lines. But nevertheless, we I was talking with um, some of the lawmakers involved in the legislation today and one of the mothers of, of the, these, uh, these kids, um, and it'll air in our Tyler, uh, for, our, for our friends in Tyler and uh uh, to either tonight, I think it airs tomorrow night. Um, they're put, putting it together um, out there in East Texas, but it'll be up on EastTexasMatters.com within the next 24 to 48. So really, really compelling uh, discussion with with the lawmakers involved, uh, Rep- uh, Chairman Chris Patty, Representative Jay Dean, and then this uh, mother of this uh, uh, Boy Scout who, who um, died in this accident. And and how. I don't want to get graphic, but I want to ask how exactly a failed power line, a down power line, contributed to the death or caused the death of a Boy Scout or Boy Scouts. You know, I'd have to go back, and I, I, I wanted to make sure that I get it correct, but um, I believe, if, if my memory serves me right, it was like an electrocution type of situation. Sure. Um, and, and uh, yeah, Difficult nonetheless, but um, I believe it was a it was an electrocution. Yeah, uh, so yeah, they're going to debate the budget this week, and we got um, school finance That's next right. week. So, what do you begin to do? Do you begin to drink some protein shakes now and get yourself ready? <laughs> what do you do, Wes? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a, we're getting ready for the marathon. You know, it, it's going to be. I was talking with uh, with a couple of reps today. And, I said, "What t- tomorrow's going to be an interesting one, huh?" And they said, "Yeah, you know, it is going to be a. They're, I mean, they're prepared to to work on this budget until you know four o'clock in the morning, kind of thing. They're going to go through all these amendments until they're done. Um, Three hundred and seven amendments thus far uh, to be uh, talked about tomorrow um, in the House. That's not to say that all of them will uh, come up. Some of them will, you know, may or may not get tabled. Some of them." Um, uh, will be pulled, etc. But it's going to be a it's going to be a lot. It is going to be a long day. And, and you're going to be there outside the rail. Uh, we're going to be there outside the rail. Uh, and uh, so they're talking everything from from health care. I mean, it, it, this is of course the overarching budget, and and so then all of these amendments are, are tackling specific tweaks that they want to make to you know add certain money to this 
uh, cause or this uh, priority and pull certain money away or, you know, it, it, some of it's just language and some of it's some big changes, you know, um, uh, public schools and private schools and, and spending there, um, uh, health care concerns, criminal justice reform, veterans uh, benefits and, and a strong VA and, and um, you know, uh, border security. There's all of these different um uh, you know, election security and, and election, um, uh, you know, voter registrar changes. And, I mean, all kinds of stuff. The voting system, there's, like, you name it, it's in the budget, right? And so it's got to go through this process. And it's going to be a, it's gonna be a long day, but we're looking forward to it. And, and I was talking to some folks in the house who, um, they're gearing up for a long day. But literally, are we talking like noon through 4 o'clock the next morning? Yeah, basically. It's like at 10 a.m. I think they're going to meet at 10. They'll probably do some regular business in the morning, and then they'll jump into it and and get right going. The only constitutional duty that they have is to pass a budget. And That's right. And here they go tomorrow. They're going to try. Yeah, what's going to be interesting in this part of the world, Wes, is... Uh, does the vet school walk away from the house with some $17 million, the Texas Tech proposed vet school, and how does the Senate follow up on that? Uh, when will the Senate take up their budget? Um, good question. Uh, I don't have the specific uh, info on that. I don't know if that's out yet. I mean, who does, Wes? Who but, does? <laughs> I suppose we we all get to – most of us get to find out together. Um but it's soon. I mean, as you mentioned, it is the it is the one responsibility they have uh, constitutionally. So um, they'll they'll get around to it if they if they uh, if not soon, then then soon after that. <laughs> Intrigue as we follow the state capitol. Uh, anything else we need to know about this week, West Rappaport? Uh, you know, it, it they're uh, without going too presidential. You know, there's some there's. 2020 is still on everybody's mind uh, here in Texas. There's some rallies and some. We, we may see an announcement or two for for the some of the statewide seats uh, for 2020. Um, so uh, I don't I don't. Uh, I would just keep my eye out for for some 2020 news uh, here in Texas this week. Um, this week. We may see it. Well, and then the big Beto O'Rourke rallies on on Saturday. Um, so there's, you know, lest we forget that while there's all this stuff going on here in the great state of Texas, there's also uh, yeah, uh, 40, 49 other states that have their Wes, stuff going on. let me ask you this as we let you go. Yeah. A lot is being made that there are more people showing up for Camilla Harris rallies in Texas than Beto O'Rourke rallies. Is Camilla a name that we need to get to know here, regardless of your partisan stripes? I think so. I mean, I think that that if if she's drawing crowds the size that she is, then then I would certainly say that she's somebody that that Texans need to know about. Um, uh, obviously, there, with with so many people in the race, it's it's hard to kind of you know everybody has something that somebody likes, right? And and but it's trying to figure out kind of who what. Kind of the overarching qualities are 
um, that that makes that person the best candidate uh, for for the Democratic ticket. And so, um, you know, whether whether she ends up uh, uh, as a as a contender, as a finalist, uh, as a as a possibly a vice presidential nominee, if she doesn't win the ticket, you know, there's there's a lot. Her, her political career is not over if she doesn't, you know, clinch the, the nomination here. Um, so there's, I would definitely uh, keep my eye on uh, Kamala Harris uh, as she can, continues to campaign. Um, and it's going to be a busy week for that. There's, uh, I believe I saw a, um, an announcement that there's going to be a handful of the presidential candidates who are going to be in Houston later this week. Um, I haven't had a chance to read through on who who exactly is all going to be there. But yeah. sounds like there will be at least a handful of folks because they, they recognize that Texas is a player in this conversation, Jay. And, and um, you know, it, it, I think everybody used to talk about, you know, not really having to worry about Texas when it came to, to voting time. And, and now Texas is in play. Texas is a, a state that, that both parties are, both the major parties are looking at, they're watching, they're, they, they want to know what people in Texas care about, they want to know what people in Texas have to say, and they want to uh, act on that. And so I think you'll see Texas much more involved uh, than at least in, in uh, the last couple of election cycles, uh, at least at the national level. Wes Rappaport, Rappaport Reports there on Instagram, right? That's right. Rappaport Reports and at Wes Rapp there on twitter appreciate you making time always appreciate you checking in wes with everything you're covering there at the capitol thanks jay talk to you soon all right buddy uh take a quickie break get back in with some things i'm thinking about as uh we head into the playoffs tonight grace linda leeson and her huskies fourth and fifth grade yeah man let's get it on be back in a couple minutes Brought you home, you were bound to be a star. Just wish it didn't grow so quick. So Welcome back to the other side with Jay Leeson. Welcome back into the program. Closing thoughts here. I'm still caught up on this uh, Cruz campaign. Cruz, and this is why I have such a distrust whenever it comes to, and I won't just say Republicans, I'll say Rockefellerian Republicans who have the common man's view. And look, I've been playing, and this is why I'm a West Texican um politically uh the left the democrats have certainly left aside economics to go after all sorts of identity politics you see that every day i don't appreciate it you don't appreciate it your grandmother my grandmother would not appreciate it but at the same time you've got republicans trying to make common man claims and who makes a more common man claim than Ted Cruz? I ask you. Who does? And you won't be able to answer that question for me. Cruz plays to work ethic. He plays to 
uh, social conservative views that are very alive and well up cap rock into the panhandle down into the basin a region uh, the basin the um the basin the cap rock the panhandle which re-elected crews i've said before that the junction between and to extrapolate on crews and go into uh greg abbott greg abbott received all of his shortcoming in boats in el paso from lubbock to amarillo along the i-27 corridor and my gripe has always been this and continues to be you cannot in what i'm a reaction to what this program's a reaction to is you cannot tempt people's social concerns and exploit their economic interests and to hear ted cruz talk he knows about what uh, middle class families come up against and that's why i'm dwelling on a loan from goldman sachs and citibank which none of us would get and very few of our wives i would say like one of our wives within listening range of this live or on the podcast has worked for goldman sachs um in 2017 the federal election commission announced it would audit crews after the campaign legal center submitted a complaint about the improper disclosure quote this is old news simply the conclusion of the same inadvertent reporting error that was widely reported during the presidential campaign cruz spokeswoman Catherine Frazier said in a written statement at that time, the FEC's decision to find Cruz's 2012 campaign comes three years after the file, the complaint was filed. The FEC's vote to audit Cruz in 2017 was unanimous, something unusual for the FEC board that at the time included five directors due to retirements and the lack of appointments since that time the board is now at four directors the bare minimum needed for a quorum today today's announcement is an acknowledgement that the cruise campaign deprived voters of critical information not me i mean i've known this about cruise why didn't vote for cruise in the presidential primary why i voted for trump over cruise and I think it's why a lot of people went in and will never admit publicly that they voted for Beto O'Rourke over Cruz. In the home stretch, this is a senior director of Campaign Legal Center. In the home stretch of the high profile election, voters were misled about Cruz's personal and campaign finances. This is particularly harmful given that financial issues were at the issue in the campaign and could have factored into voters decision making at the ballot you know why i'm on it and we close out the program i pointed this out before but i'm gonna go back to it and probably put something on about social media later there are a lot of good republicans in lubbock county um and i want to start with that disclaimer the problem is is that so many of them are not involved in the local party anymore because the local party has just gone out i mean it's wingnut crazy if you follow the lubbock democratic party 
Uh, there are exceptions, and I would say within the leadership there are exceptions, but by and large, a bunch of people who are left in the vacuum of cable news and don't have real jobs and just go to town on, like, oh, you cannot say anything good about George Mahon, a, a congressman who bowed out in 1979 because he's a Jim Crow Democrat. Like, all this identity politics being extrapolated, it's cultural imperialism, and put upon Democrats of a generation ago. But I'll tell you this. The Lubbock County Republican Party is as much a mess as is the Democratic County Party. I mean, it is an absolute disaster. Look no further than the official Facebook of the Lubbock County Republican Party. And there was this this cartoon that was put up i'm doing this by memory it's a lot of people in different colored jackets a lot of cartoon figures that kind of look the same that go through a banner and it's called public schools and they all come out looking the exact same it's the lubbock county republican party's way of saying that everybody goes through public schools is homogenized but it's my way of saying this how far from freaking reality are you guys removed that you're going to come down on spring lake earth isd you're going to come down on idaloo isd let's stick within lubbock county uh shallow water isd and even down into lynn new home uh that you're going to come down within all the isds in lubbock and say that public education is some sort of racket, some sort of propaganda machine, and that's why nobody votes for you. That's why you've completely, that's why there are 50 to 75 people, and I hope that upper brass within the Lubbock County Republican Party, because this program has certainly shifted a lot of things in how we work politically, locally. But I hope that you guys see that that sort of messaging and whatever goof, and I'll bet you $50 right now, the person who runs the Lubbock County Republican Facebook page works for a state entity. I will promise you that right now. That's not to say I know who they are, which I do know who they are. So it is to say who I know who they are, but they work for a state entity. Okay, they work for the the state that you fear so much that runs the economy in Lubbock County, in agriculture, medical, and education, public and higher ed. And what a bunch of buffoons you guys are that you would let these people get away with this sort of stuff. And again, I am I am just a guy who bought into a lot of this conservative talk whenever I was younger and didn't understand my place now I've come to a conservatism that I think abides with my place that I think abides with a lot of my neighbors but whenever your neighbor's the enemy and you sneer at them and you've got some worthless sack of rocks that's running your Facebook page and you're just signing off on it Lubbock County Republican Party that's why 50 to 75 people within I guess uh, you could say a 300,000 population metropolis. Why only the reddest of the red is what they always call Lubbock County. The reddest of the red voters. Why do only 50 or 75 people show up? And it's because you lost, you just completely lost touch. And that's why. there. I would venture to bet that there are more people that vote up to, uh, show up to the Democratic annual meetings than the Republican meetings. 
That's my complaint. And to me, it's Ted Cruz and Goldman Sachs and Citibank and you guys in reality that I'm reacting to. And I don't just think it's Lubbock County. I think you go up to Potter County. I think you go out to East Texas. You go to South Texas. You go to any other side of Texas and find the same. That's just me venting. I'm going to get home. Got to get home. Great family. Above average dinner waiting for me there. At the Ponderosa, got a big playoff game tonight. Uh, until next time, Ravon buddies, Ravon, we'll see you next edition of the program where we have Ross Ramsey and our friend Mike Bazaar coming on with you here on the other side of Texas. Check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, anywhere you can find the podcast. And please share it with friends. Share this with your friends. Just trying to bring you the truth down the line right here on the other side of Texas.